welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. All right, well, I'm going to make sure I give Pastor Mitch plenty of time. So I'm going to just give you a little brief update and then hand over to Mitch. I first heard about International Justice Mission just before COVID. I was at a national conference just about three years ago, and I cried my way through this session. There's one of the other speakers who was sharing with a bunch of C3 pastors, and I was just a mess, and uh, I was so moved by this work that IJM are involved in. And I thought that I was okay until this morning, and I cried my way through Mitch's sermon again this morning. So if I'm sobering, I'll just get some tissues and maybe we should put tissues in every aisle. But um, I know that this, this is going to bless you. I do want to let you know a little bit about IJM ahead of time. Uh, International Justice Mission is, uh, Mitch will tell you, but it is um, working with people that are suffering from human trafficking and uh, sexual assault and sexual violence. And so we understand that that's a sensitive topic for some. Um, we believe it's hope-filled and it's what God does. God in Jesus came out of the mess of heaven, uh, out of the goodness of heaven and came to the mess on earth. Got that wrong, didn't I? Got out of the mess, the mess, came to the mess on earth, out of heaven, and still getting it wrong. And he got into the mess of this earth and lived in this mess. And he's passionate about putting the mess of this earth right. And he's passionate about doing it, not on his own, but through his people and with his people. And that's why I'm inspired by this. But I do understand that it's a sensitive topic. And anytime we talk about this stuff, there are people who have experienced forms of abuse and, and, uh, or, you've, or you or loved ones have, and it can be triggering and we totally get that. So please know that if at any point you feel you need to get some space, you're welcome to do that. We won't, we won't consider that in any way being disloyal. We want to create safety for everybody who's here. And uh, if you need any support or help, please reach out to us. We want to help you on a journey of wholeness and healing because that's what the gospel's about. We can be free, so we can bring freedom to others. Um, that said, though, it is a very hope-filled message, and I just wanted to let you know that that's where we're headed in these next few minutes, just so that you're aware of that as well. We know children in the room and so on as well. Um, I believe it'll be hope-filled. I know it is. The message is hope-filled, um, but I just wanted to let you know that in advance. So Pastor Mitch is a pastor. Come on up, Mitch. Mitch is a pastor along with his wife uh, at C3SYD. Oxford Falls, they get him for nothing. He works full-time for International Justice Mission, and he's part of the core team at Oxford Falls. So I reckon that's a pretty good deal for SYD. How's that work? I mean, I don't know how you get the work done, let alone anything else. But part of Mitch's job is working with uh, numbers of churches, especially C3 churches, to to further the work of IJM. And so uh, we're really, really blessed to have you. So thanks, Mitch. Let's welcome you one more time. Amazing. Thank you, Pastor. Give Rowan and Jill a big hand. Aren't they incredible? Love these guys. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Great to be here in Camden. Uh, I was saying this morning, um, I'm actually no stranger to Camden. Uh, I did a number of flying lessons back in the day at Camden Airport. So uh, thanks for thanks for providing uh, the airport. It's great. And uh, we had a great morning in Picton. I drove up to the lookout this afternoon over the dam, Barra 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 something. It's amazing. It's a great view. Watch the storm roll in. And, uh, but hey, what a, what, a great, what a great space you guys have got, and uh, what a great community to be a part of. And uh, I am lucky enough to um, get around to some of our other C3s and other churches as well uh, to, share, uh, to share about what God's doing through the work of IJM. Uh, many of you may have heard, may not have heard about who we are. Uh, I hadn't heard about who IJM was until, uh, until our church started partnering with IJM, and, 
And then I kind of jumped the fence and said, you know what, I'm going to work for you guys. That sounds pretty good. Um, love what you're doing. And then church somehow kept me for free. So um, but, uh, just to let you know a bit more about myself, I, I've been married for eight years this year. Um, so I got married when I was 12. And... Um, <laughs> No, I was, I was joking. I still get ID'd. Um, I'm 32. So anyway, I started to grow a beard just to somehow see if that could work. It doesn't help, actually. But uh, I have a three-year-old daughter who's going on 13. Uh, so um, some of you may know what I'm talking about. She's a raging, feisty redhead. And uh, come on. Got another one. There you go. <laughs> just feisty, not raging. Um, and I have a son on the way in four weeks. Give or take, could be, could be, could be this afternoon. Who knows? So uh, pray for me. We're about to go back into the deep end, um, and we're gonna have a great time. So uh, thanks for having me once again, Rowan and Jill. It's a real pleasure. You guys are amazing. Really love your heart for justice, your heart for community, and for the vulnerable. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. I'm gonna uh, play a little video just to uh, just to kind of set the scene of, of who we are to give you a bit more context about IJM before I get into it. So team, if you could play that, that'd be great. How old is she? 20, 12, how much? She's 30? Yeah, yeah, my friend. Right now, there are more people trapped in slavery than ever before. Over 40 million children, women and men are beaten, raped and starved in an industry worth $150 billion per year. Criminals prey on the world's poor because they expect no one to defend them. But today, there are thousands of people joining forces to seek justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counsellors, activists and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Each year we rescue thousands and protect millions, working alongside local law enforcement to prosecute criminals restore survivors, and transform how justice systems protect their citizens. But we can only do this with you, the church. Moving with God's heart for justice, we will, together, find those trapped in slavery. We will get them home, to their families, so they can have the freedom they deserve. Amen. Amen. So little, that's a little bit, just, just so you know, kind of who we are, what we do. And, um, you know, as the video said, a little over 40 million people trapped in slavery today. It's no small number, the largest amount of slaves we've ever had in history. Um, what, what is worse about that, yeah, as, as it said, is one in four children. As a, as a young dad, if you're a parent, even if you're not a parent, you know, that's a pretty real and sobering statistic. Um, Maybe what you don't know is slavery can take a whole bunch of different forms. It's not just uh, the traditional maybe understanding we might have, but it, it can look and look like forced labor in a brick kiln in India or uh, on, a, on a fishing boat in Thailand. Uh, it can look like sex trafficking in Eastern Europe, uh, particularly at the moment with uh, the Ukrainian crisis and all that's going on. A lot of people obviously displaced from their homes, crossing borders into unknown uh, regions and therefore particularly vulnerable to being tricked and trafficked. Uh, and so that's a real, a real, we see anytime there's that kind of displacement, whether it's from war or natural disaster, where people are moving uh, in large numbers across borders, that it's a particularly vulnerable time for women and children to be trafficked. 
Uh, one of the big ones we see these days, and there's only increasing, just particularly during COVID even, is what we call OSEC, the online sexual exploitation of children, where uh, lot, there is live streaming being purchased and paid for by foreign, current, foreign countries and foreign uh, consumers to pay for the live stream of sexual abuse of children, a real issue in our world today. And, and, and sometimes we, we, think, we hear these things and we think, oh, you know what, that, you know, that's in unknown, far-off, far-flung countries in the world. But can I tell you, it's not. That OSEC issue is a real issue for us in our own backyard. Australia, unfortunately, is the third highest consumer of that type of content in the world, not per capita. This is a real issue um, that we're facing every single day uh, that, that we need to address. Uh, I, you know, I love, um, you know, obviously Rowan shared that, uh, you know, this is a sensitive subject, but when you look at the Bible, the, the Bible's full of mess. The Bible's full of brokenness. The Bible's full of stories of pain and heartbreak and hurt, and God isn't afraid of the mess. In fact, you know, um, of all the names of Scripture that, that is used for God, the, the, the most common, most reoccurring name for God in the Bible is the God of Jacob. Now, Jacob is pre his redemption. Jacob is his broken state. Jacob is his deceiving state. And so God's most commonly attributed name is a God of a broken person. And so we see that God is not uh, distancing himself from brokenness, but he associates himself with brokenness. And so we need to know that as believers, that's our call too, to associate with a broken world. Many more millions face all kinds of violence, and so it's not just slavery, it's all forms of violence against the poor. Um, we, we see what is about seven, eight, almost eight billion people in the world today. Five billion of, of those seven billion are in what we call a justice gap. In other words, they don't live with the benefits and the protection of a working justice system. And so the, the justice system that we feel secure and safe by in our country, in our city, uh, others don't feel that. They don't feel that sense of privilege and protection by the law. And we find that it's in those places that people are particularly vulnerable because where there's no justice system operating, that's where criminals thrive because there's no fear of prosecution. And so part of IJM's work, is, 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 which I'll get into in a moment, is, is yes, we, we rescue, we restore, we work with survivors, but particularly we want to see justice systems transformed and restored so that, so that criminals fear prosecution and are deterred from doing the crime in the first place. And that is a redeemed society, amen? And so we do. We rescue and restore victims. We bring criminals to justice. And we, we set a precedence that this crime is not acceptable in our society. But we do work with governments and work with partners all around the world to strengthen justice systems because we find where there is a strong justice system, then criminals are deterred and the prevalence of that crime goes down. We, our goal, uh, we will keep rescuing person after person after person for as long as we need to. We'll keep working, going on the journey of restoring them, working through the trauma, working through the heartache of all that. But our goal is that rescue would become redundant. Our goal is that we'd be living in a society where, where, where the, God's, the, 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 the values of heaven are so prevalent in society that rescue is no longer necessary. Amen? To date, we've seen, uh, as IJM, around the world, 76, a little over 76,000 people rescued from slavery and violence. We've seen just under 5,000 criminals convicted, seen almost 120,000 justice system officials trained. That's lawyers, judges, investigators right around the world. 
and we've seen 150, a little over 150 million people protected. Our um, vision, if you can chuck up the, uh, the screen there, should be a 2030 vision. Is to rescue millions, protect half a billion, and make justice for the poor, make justice for those who are poor unstoppable. That's our heart. You can, you can leave that screen up there, guys. Uh, you know, so 150 million people protected. Our goal is that in the next eight years, we'd be able to see that go to 500 million, half a billion people around, or half, half a billion people, sorry, around the world protected from violence with a, un, under the protection of a working justice system. Amen? Amen? Do you mind if we pray right now? Is that okay? Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your hand upon this earth, upon our city, upon our people, upon our community, upon the church in Australia, Lord, you, that you would stir us to see, Lord, to not, to not turn a blind eye, but to see, to see the needs of our world, to see the broken places, to see the dark places. Lord, you'd stir us to see how we can be your hands and feet, how we can be your salt and light. And we pray right now, Lord, for those who are in slavery, who are feeling, uh, Lord, the oppression of violence and, and, and an unprotection, Lord. We, we pray for them right now. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for, for, for a miraculous move of justice across the earth, through the church. Lord, you'd use us. You'd use us, Lord. Use us, Lord, to disciple nations. Use us to bring redemption and renewal to society. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I really believe God's going to do something in the next 20 minutes. As is worshiping, I just really sense that God's doing something here in Camden, and, and I'm excited for you. I want to share three things. Firstly, I just want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about the problem of injustice. Um, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of different views around the world of justice and injustice. What is it? How do we deal with it? Um, but I believe to understand the work of justice, we, we need to look at what I would call the origin of injustice. And therefore, I think we need to go back to the origin story in Scripture in Genesis. In, uh, in chapter 1 and in verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. In Genesis 2, it goes on and it unpacks this picture further. In verse 15, it says, Then the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And so in these two chapters, we start to see this picture of God's heart for humanity. In the Hebrew, it's a word that, that we use called shalom. And it's really a, a, an understanding of peace and wholeness and flourishing. It's, an, it's a picture of, of how God intended the world to be, how He intended society and community to be. This sense of wholeness in our world where, where there's no broken places. There's a sense of flourishing and common unity. It gives us a glimpse of God's original intent. And it provides us with what I believe is the cornerstone truths of what I would call biblical justice. There's a whole bunch of different views of justice, but really to understand justice properly from God's heart, it needs to be biblical. It needs to be a sense of biblical justice. And this picture of God's intent, God's heart for creation, 
and for human, every single person, this is the cornerstone of biblical justice. Why? Because one, it shows us our worth. It shows us your worth. It shows us that every single person on the planet bears the image of God, bears what we call the imago Dei, that the fingerprint of God is on your life and on every other life around the world. Every single person carries the intrinsic value of heaven. And it's important we start there. It's important we understand that that's our, that's our starting place. Whenever we're operating around the world and operating with, with making laws and, and talking to people and how we do church and how we do life, it's starting with the place that not only are you valuable, but everyone around you is valuable as well, that we all have immense worth in God. But also, secondly, our work. That our, it's both our worth and our work. And our work is that we've been given a stewardship calling to maintain the flourishing of the world, to be in the garden, to, to take care of it, to maintain it. Our goal is not to go, you know what? It's broken. Let's give up. No, no. We've been given a stewardship calling as believers in particular to maintain the peace, the wholeness, the shalom in the world. Amen? That's our call. That's our call as the church, that we would tend the garden of the world that we would look after it. But we obviously know this, the story in, in uh, Genesis 3. Very quickly, things went pretty sucky. Quote from Pastor Rowan. Things got broken because man, Adam and Eve, they put self over God. They trusted in self over God. They put trust in their own understanding, their own thoughts above God. And therefore, they gave birth to sin. They gave birth to brokenness. They gave birth to injustice. And injustice was born out of the self-serving will. Injustice primarily gets outworked in the abuse of power. When we, someone uses strength to take and to steal from someone or something else. IJM's definition of injustice is what happens to some, when someone uses their power to take from someone else the good things God intended them to have. Their life, their liberty, their dignity, or the fruit of their love or their labor. And so at, at its core, okay, so what's the, what the, the question is, okay, what is justice? And that's, if that's injustice, what's justice? Well, if I was to, to, to really boil it down, I would say the simplest way I can tell you what justice is in God's terms is to make things right. That's God's heart. What is justice? It is to make things whole again, to make things complete again, to put things back in their proper place. And so God's heart for justice is not just in one area of society. It's not just for one demographic. It's for every human and every part of life that it would be made whole again, that it would be reconciled to its rightful intended place. In Adam and Eve's case, we see this happen straight away. Uh, there was obviously a number of consequences that happened, both for the devil, amen, but also for Adam and Eve. There were some consequences to, to their decisions. But it wasn't just retributive justice where they got what they deserved or, or what was right or what was due to them, but also it was restorative. God's heart is restorative. And so He restored them straight away where they suddenly they, they knew their nakedness, they knew their shame, they knew what they'd done. What was the first thing God did? He made coverings for them. He covered them, and it's a picture and a shadow of us being covered by the life of Christ. It was an animal skin that, that represents Jesus as the Lamb of God, making coverings for us. In Galatians, it says when we're baptized into Christ, we're clothed with Christ. And so it's a picture of God's justice where He restores us to our rightful place in Him. 
And so that's the problem, right? That's the problem. Injustice. That's where it was from. So therefore, what is God's plan? What is God's heart? How do we outwork this reality of justice in the earth? And we see straight away God's plan is people. Amen? God's not, from the very beginning, God has never wanted to do it alone. He's always involved people. Even with Adam, he involved Adam with, with the tending of the garden, with the naming and the, and the creating of, and the tending of everything around him. But even from that point, God used people and he used them in what we call partnership or what the Bible calls covenant. These divine connections and relationships where he invites people in to his plan to co-labor and to co-work, to represent him in the earth. Can I, God's called you. God has called us. God has called C3 Camden. God has called us in our workplaces. He's called us in our families to be conduits of grace and justice and redemption. And so we see through the Old Testament, these specific covenants start to form. We see he forms a covenant with Noah. He, sees, he forms a covenant with Moses to bring the law. He, 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 bring, he forms a covenant with, with Abraham as the family, as the, as the nation of Israel starts to form. And he forms a covenant with David saying that out of your line will come a future king. Four covenants throughout the Old Testament. But what happened? They messed it up. People are broken because people serve self over serve God. And so what did God do? He formed another covenant. But it was a fifth covenant, a covenant of grace, a covenant through Jesus Christ, a grace covenant that was held together by His works and not ours. Therefore, we can partner with God knowing that it's not resting on our own perfection, but on, on His finished work. Amen? And so we are called to partner with God, not in our own strength, but through the strength that Christ gives us. And so we see in Jesus this perfect and pure model of biblical justice in the flesh. It is a covenant that deals with both the root of injustice, that the sin in every human heart, that it deals with the root, the, the birthplace, the origin of injustice. It deals with that in the cross, but it also deals with the fruit of injustice. It gives us a model of how to live, how to operate, how to love one another the way Christ loved the world. And so we see this beautiful tension of, of, of reconnection to God and then reconnection and reconciliation with others as well. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, only biblical justice is comprehensive enough to address the needs of the human condition. Colossians 1 says this, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And so we see that's God's heart. God's heart is He wants to reconcile. He wants to make things right. He wants to make things right in the world, globally. But, he, but also, He wants to make things right personally. The broken places in our world, he, God wants to make them right. Broken places in our city, the, the broken places in Camden. There's no, probably not many. But, but the, the, every, anywhere there's brokenness or, 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 or something's dislocated, God wants to relocate it into His plan and into His purpose in our lives internally. In our lives, mentally and emotionally, our body, everything that's wrong, God wants to make right. And so He's called us in Christ into partnership to be conduits of that redemption. I found that the kingdom of God flows towards the world and not away from it. Always. 
Sometimes, sometimes we think, you know, like, uh, there's this, um, probably none of you, but sometimes there's this, there's this mentality that, that when we become believers, when we, when we follow God, it's like we're running away from the world. And like, of course, we're, we're running away from the things of the world in terms of sin and we're fleeing, you know, the Bible says, you know, flee from these sort of things. And, but, but we're not fleeing from the world. We're actually running into the world with a counter-cultural message. The, the river, when you, in, this, in Ezekiel, there's the picture of the river that flows from the temple and it's flowing to the world, through to the Dead Sea. Our, our, our heart as believers, our, our, our lean is towards the darkness with the light. And so that's our goal. We're not, Christianity is not escapism. We're not escaping the world. We're not just waiting for the, because we've got, a, we've got a, a ticket to Mars because the earth's gone, the earth's gone to suckiness, and therefore we're all going to escape and get a ticket because you, you want to catch the last train out of here. That's not Christianity, can I tell you? That's not Christianity. Is that, no, 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 God's, God's actually, He's not calling us up there. He actually came down here. And he's coming back here. Jesus, that's how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this, your kingdom come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayer is primarily not about getting people into heaven. It's about getting heaven onto earth. That's our prayer. And therefore, if it's our prayer, it's our walk as well. We're called as ministers of reconciliation. Of ministers of reconciliation. It's the picture of the cross. That yes, we get our connection right with God, the vertical axis, but also we're getting our connection right in the community with people. That's the horizontal axis. It's loving God, loving others. I've found that biblical justice is the convergence of both individual transformation and community restoration. It's not one or the other. Sometimes we go, oh, it's just about, you just got to get saved and, and just make sure you, your walk with the Lord is good and, and that's, just, that's just what you need to do. And, that, and of course, that's, that's hugely important. We, we need to get right with God and, and have, have a clear connection with Him and love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. But it's not just that. We also need to then be a blessing because we've been blessed. And therefore, it's about community restoration. God's called us to actually give out, freely give what we've freely received. It's the two working together, individual transformation and community restoration. Amen? Amen. And so that's, that, that's the plan. You are the plan. Everyone say, I am the plan. I am the plan. There's no one else. You are it. So I want to I finish with this. If I can grab um, musicians back, that would be awesome. Or oh, musician. <laughs> there is a problem. It's called injustice. It's called sin. But there is a plan. It's called Jesus. And it's called God using us as his people in the name of Jesus. But there is a great promise, a great hope that he gives us as well. And I would say, if I look at the world around us, we're living in what I would call an, a now, not yet tension. Where... Jesus has indeed struck the final blow. He's dealt with sin. He's dealt with injustice. He's dealt with death. He's paid the price. He's, he's torn the curtain. He's, he's made access between heaven and earth. God has done everything. It's finished. The work's done now, but, but not yet because really when we face it, there are still 40 million people trapped in slavery. 
So, so, so we're living in this tension where God's done the work, but it's not fully been outworked. And so we live in this place as believers, don't we? We're, we know God's healed us, but sometimes we're not healed. We know God's justified us freely, but we still deal with stuff. We're still going on the journey of being sanctified. We live in this now, now not yet reality. There's a picture, uh, if you could put the picture of the girl up there. This girl um, is a young Filipino girl and she represents really a whole generation of Filipino boys and girls over the last 20 years who, in 2006, when IJM started working in the Philippines, in brothels and bars, like uh, in cities like Cebu, Manila, Papunya, uh, you would see countless boys and girls in these bars and brothels being sold for sex. Approximately one in 10 of the commercial sex worker industry were minors. Criminals were confident because they had no fear of being prosecuted. But after five years of IJM working in these three cities across the Philippines, we saw an average of an 80% reduction of the prevalence of children in commercial sex work going from 1 in 10 to 1 in 100 across the cities. What do we do? We proved it's possible. It works. Sometimes we think, oh, these numbers are so big, like surely what we do is just a drop in the ocean. Can I tell you, it's not. Because we've been able to now in the last 25 years replicate that work in regions all around the world, South America, Africa, Eastern Europe, all across Asia, Central America, everywhere. It works. God hasn't given us a plan that is faulty. There is a lot of work to be done, but we have been given an incredible promise, an incredible hope that justice is possible. Justice is possible. In Revelation 21, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among His people. How cool is that? We could kind of say that now, I reckon. Because if you're among the people, then God's among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, we can rest in this now not yet tension because we know that there is a great promise of justice and renewal through Jesus Christ. You know, when it says there, I'm making everything new, it, the, the translation kind of gives us the wrong impression actually because the word used there is not actually about it being new as in brand new. It's more about it being new as in renewed, as in brought back to its original place, how it was designed to be. Shalom flourishing. In Corinthians, when it says you've been made, uh, everyone in Christ is a new creation, really it's that you're a renewed creation. You've been renewed to the original intent. And so our work is one of bringing redemption and restoration and renewal to the world around us. And it's both spiritual, it is both practical. It's everything working together. 
You'll find on your car, on your seats or on a uh, seat nearby, there is a card like this. Um, we'll chuck a QR code up on the screen as well. I understand that sometimes you need to think about this or take time to process and kind of figure out how you feel like God is leading you to be a part of this work. But we would love to invite you to be what we call a freedom partner. And we use that word very strategically because it is a partnership. We're working together as, as the people of God to bring restoration to our world. Freedom partnership uh, lo- looks like two things primarily. It looks like prayer because prayer is paramount to the work of justice. You know, that scripture where Jesus said, you know, pray your kingdom come. The context is it's a prayer. The primary work of, the primary work of justice is praying it in. It's about partnering in prayer. I have a, um, a text text uh, thing on my phone. It's called our prayer cloud. It's our IJM prayer cloud. It's a system we have set up where we, I get live text messages from the field of uh, imminent and urgent things that are, that are about to happen. I'll give you, do you want a little glimpse? On Friday at 11.29, I got this. And these, these are from some of our field offices in Thailand and the Philippines. Urgent prayer request. Pray for another rescue operation planned for today in Southeast Asia. Pray for good weather as IJM and law enforcement partners go into the field. Pray for successful rescue of victims and arrest of suspects. At 8.46 that night, about, what's that? Nine hours later. Praise God for answered prayer. Thank you for praying today. One suspect arrested, two victims rescued. Praise God for His faithfulness and mercy. Note the team is still busy on the ground. We are waiting details about ages and genders. It's real time. Prayer is, prayer is paramount to the work we do. So if, if you can partner with us in prayer, we'd love that. But if you can and if you feel led to partner us, with us financially as well, uh, obviously that is equally uh, paramount and hugely appreciated. We'd love you to consider that. You can take that home with you. The QR code is on the card there as well. It is a lot easier to do it online if you can. Then it cuts out all the paperwork and things are pretty straightforward. Uh, but if you do want to fill that card out, I'm sure you can bring it and hand it out to Pastor Rowan or Jill and, uh, and they can forward it on to us. But we, we really would love you to consider being a part of the army that's bringing this kind of restoration to the earth. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Why don't you just close your eyes, look to the Lord for a moment. Before I finish, I just want to do two quick things. Firstly, I'm not sure where you're at today, but, you know, God's heart, like I said, is to restore things to their proper place. And maybe you feel like you're not quite in your proper place. Maybe emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Maybe you've come here today and that's a great step. Maybe you're online and you're like, you know what? I just, something feels off. So I don't feel like I'm in my, I feel like a little dislocated from God, a a little dislocated from my purpose. Today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray a prayer, just to, to ask God to relocate you, to reposition you and bring renewal to your own life, to, to find your own proper place in the kingdom of God, I want to pray a prayer with you right now. So with no one looking around, with every eye closed, if you want to pray that prayer with me, would you shoot your hand up in the air and just say, Mitch, that's me. I'd love to pray a prayer. If you're online, maybe just signal that before the Lord and say, that's me. I want to pray a prayer. I want to be found again. 
in line and in connection, in my proper place, in God's presence. Beautiful. Why don't we all pray this prayer right now? Dear Jesus, thank you today for your love and your grace. Thank you that you're here. You're with me. You're for me. Today, I surrender again to your grace and your goodness over my life. Would you put me in my proper place, in your presence? I thank you today. You're my father. Now I'm your child. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you as we close with this one thought. Sometimes uh, you hear this kind of stuff or even, even before I got up, you might have been facing some stuff and your eyes have, maybe, maybe your eyes have just been fixed on some things you might be surrounded by, some opposition you're facing, some struggles you're facing. All year I've been, I, I cannot shake this picture of, of a story in 2 Kings 6 of Elisha. He's a, him and his, and his servant, He's a prophet in the Old Testament. He's, and they wake up one morning and their whole city that they're, they're in is surrounded by an enemy army. And the servant of, of Elisha woke up first and, and saw and he's freaking out because all he could see is this big enemy army had come to kill them. And he woke up Elisha and Elisha woke up and, and he said, hey, it's okay. He said, there's more for us than against us. He prayed for his servant's eyes to be open and literally like scales falling off, he saw. He still saw the enemy army. They didn't disappear. But then he suddenly saw a whole host of heavenly armies surrounding them as well. And he realized that no matter how big the opposition is, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I just want to encourage you today, whether your eyes have been fixed on something you're facing or maybe your eyes are seeing the problem like slavery and going, oh my gosh, what do we do? Can I tell you, God is bigger than Goliath. God is bigger than the army that we face. I just want to encourage you today, no matter what you are, no matter what you're facing, let's lift our eyes again to the God who is for us, the God who is with us. Greater is He that is within us than he that is within the world. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a praise tonight? Come on, why don't we thank Jesus? A hand back to Rowan. Thank you. Hey, thanks, mate. Wow, how you doing? Wow. Pretty powerful stuff, eh? I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. This is rubber hitting the road Christianity, friends. This kind of stuff. I hear Mari saying, Amen knowing all the while that Murray's passionate about this very topic, releasing people from poverty, getting them out of the injustices of this world. And she's crying out and saying amen to something that is another area of injustice. Friends, wherever you fit, whatever you are passionate about, we do not escape the responsibility as callers, of, as followers of Jesus to do exactly what Mitch said, what Jesus said, pray, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Pray, do, pray, go, pray, give. We can do all those things and in fact we need to do all those things. So you might think, oh, I, don't, I don't know what I can do. I don't know if I can do much. Your little bit can make a difference. We had uh, one of our dear gentlemen, Russell, 
share an offering message this morning at Picton, and he talked about the time in the Old Testament when uh, Moses called them in the desert to give, and they got to the point where there was so much generosity that, that Moses and the people who were building the house of God had to say, tell the people to stop giving. I turned to Mitch, I said, no pastor has ever said that. That's like, that's every pastor's altar. But I'll tell you what, I've heard other churches say they've got too much. I've been in ministers' meetings and other pastors said, we've got too much money. I said, I haven't. Send it our way. We'll find something to do with it. There's always work to be done for God to bring until every person doesn't need to be rescued, until every person is put right, there's always work to be done. You might think your little bit doesn't count. Yes, it does. That, that lady or that man who said, all I've got is a bit of purple cloth here. What am I going to do with that? They took that, they gave that, that became part of the place where God was housed on the earth, where God met with people. Every little bit that we do will make a difference. Can I encourage you to take that, pray about it, seek God, say, God, what can I do? Can my bit make a difference? I want to commend that. We're so passionate about this topic because we believe it's a central, fundamental part of the gospel. So we're grateful. Can we thank Mitch one more time for this today? Thanks, brother. We're great to have you as a friend. and getting to know you. And Mish was telling us over lunch that he has actually just recently recorded a slightly longer version of that as a C3 short course. C3 College are actually running short courses now. It's kind of like Netflix for the Bible. I didn't make that up. C3 College made that up. It's like Netflix for the Bible. 20 bucks a month, a subscription model, and there's ongoing short courses there. So if you're just interested in upskilling and hearing from other C3 teachers and leaders in our movement, could I recommend check out C3 College. Mitch has a session on there, four, four 20-minute sessions or something like that, he said, and unpacking that message in a bit more depth today about what is biblical justice? Why, what is the theology of justice? I mean, I don't think you could say it any clearer than what you said today, but it's there for you. David Bennett is talking about LGBT issues and how the church can relate to that. I did one with Ryan Kerrins and talking about the book of Genesis, and that was awesome. So you can go on and uh, check out C3 College. But if you do, make sure you tell Mitch, you know, he gets the first one, right? Your first short course has to be Mitch's Theology of Justice. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You always will be.